Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Hello. My name is Craig Fields. And I'm David Long. And welcome to week 19 of Is It Worth It? The film review podcast where we go out of our way to see almost all the films in the cinema, even the bad ones, so you don't have to. Yes, Craig, that's right. So, what have we got coming up on this episode? Well, I'll be taking a look at Yardi, which is the uh, directorial debut from Idris Elba. Also, we will both be reviewing Upgrade, starring Logan Marshall Green. Uh, We'll also be taking a look at Alpha, which takes place 20,000 years ago. Indeed. As well as that, we will be reviewing The Nun, which is the prequel to The Conjuring and Annabelle universe. We'll also be taking a look at The Children Act, which is based on the Ian McEwan novel of the same name, starring Emma Thompson and Stanley Tucci. Yes, Craig. As well as this, uh, we are reviewing Lewis and the Aliens, and make sure you stay tuned for that one, folks. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll also be taking a look finally or i will be taking a look at action point starring johnny knoxville um yeah so that's week 19 we'll also be bringing you our usual box office rundown and the news and dvd dvd oh and dvd yeah yes so uh, we'll kick off this week's show with i think i'm going to apologize because last week i gave craig a lot of stick for the man flu told him to man up or karma has struck me because i have been rather unwell this week um, I started a new job in commuting into London. I assumed I was just tired, but alas. Is it the man flu? It, it is some sort of man <laughs> flu. I won't go into the details. One of the reasons that Craig is reviewing Yardy alone is because I did attend Cineworld Hemel Hempstead and I was feeling unwell and I had to leave very urgently. <laughs> <laughs> For the sake of all cinema goers, I, I had to leave. And I won't, say, the details, I won't yeah. say any more than that, but it, it, it very nearly went very wrong. Um, yeah, so we've got an action-packed show this week, um, and we're also, we've been talking a lot off uh, air about the Oscars already. Um, we're both really, really excited. Obviously, uh, last year we, we did talk about the Oscars, but it was fairly uh, near the start of this podcast, so for this year's Oscars we'll have seen pretty much every film that's going to be nominated or uh, every film that's being talked about um and p- for both of us uh we've we've picked out two films already first man uh, which is out on the 2nd of the 11th uh, of this year and a star is born which is out on the 3rd of the 10th uh, also of this year i think first man's going to win best picture craig mm, thinks it's going to be disagree. a star is born yeah. um and already we are excited for february 24th yeah um if you want to catch a star is born early as well you can do so with uh, your cine world unlimited card that mm-hmm. is if you are unlimited card holders uh, that's out on the 26th of this month so get yourself yeah. booked on that because i think it's getting booked up really quickly and if you're not an unlimited card holder get yourself booked in for the 3rd of october which is when it comes out on uk release um really excited lady gaga um, a stripped back Lady Gaga, already talk of best uh, actress for her. So yeah, an exciting time for the podcast um, and hopefully an exciting show if I make it through without having to leave <laughs> instantly. Suddenly. Uh, oh yeah, and the final thing I wanted to say is I'm very proud of myself. The last two films I've seen, um, n- 
not on purpose, actually really because of poor time management, I've arrived at the cinema much later than the advertised starting time, but I have literally opened the door and walked in just as the certificate has come up. That's quite impressive. And it and it feels amazing. And honestly, the, the lot, I did it today with Alpha, and people looked at me in awe because mm. it's like, I don't need trailers. I will walk in right at the last minute. So... But the but only downside of that is if you miss the start. If you miss, <laughs> well, if, you, if you miss the start. But on top of that, though, there has been people sitting in your seat as well. Oh hasn't yeah. There? Well, Craig is very angry about this. I, yeah. I, I, I like, Craig is an interesting cinema guy. He takes it very, very seriously, and we've noticed recently that people aren't sitting in the seats that they've booked, and it is causing havoc actually. Um, and normally. If I'm on my own or with Craig, I'm not that bothered. I'll sit somewhere else. Craig, no. No. I Listen, <laughs> when we went to go and see the children, at, we went to see it together, but we had different seats booked. Yeah. Um, I Be- went, simply because the fact that it was a popular yeah, viewing. It was, and very, it was nearly very fully booked. booked. It, well, it's pretty much fully booked. The, seat, the only seats that remained were pretty much right at the front. Uh, the row that I book, I usually go for right in the middle um, and somewhere in the middle of the cinema as well. So that's my favourite seat. I book that all the time. And uh, this time for the children act, I walked in and and the whole row was taken up mm. pretty much. And uh, and I said I did ask them to move and and they did, um, but that caused havoc within the cinema because once those people moved, the entire cinema had to yeah, move. Yeah, I had the exact same thing in the nun. I I didn't actually ask the person to move, but it's that that is why people book. You know, if you book early, you get the best seats. Um, so we would like to encourage all listeners to sit in your allocated seats. Yeah, I don't think it's a problem. <laughs> You know, once the film is just about to get started, you can move. You yeah. can move because if if there's not a lot of people in there, but there are going to be latecomers there, and and people have booked specific seats for a reason <laughs> because they like those seats. They like to sit where they're sitting, and, the and that's me. Is coming off of Craig's head. <laughs> it does. There are me. rules, and they must be obeyed. That is that's rule number one. Rule number two, well, the biggest rule. <laughs> more rules. Yeah. Do not talk during the film. Oh, and, yeah. And if you go yeah. in to talk, whisper, that's fine. I had a lecture about this as but well. do not talk at an audible <laughs> level where everybody in the cinema mm. can hear you. And I had that in Alpha. Yeah. Um, the people behind me, sat directly behind me, were having a full-on conversation mm. about the film. Um, obviously, they weren't didn't understand what was going on, so they, they had to explain it to each other. And, <laughs> you know, I, I don't mind if they're thanks whispering. For, thanks for making this an audio, it's, you know... Dubbed film, you know. Thanks for that, but um. <laughs> but no, but I, I I did have to turn around and say, please, would you mind being quiet? I'm trying mm. to watch a film here. But we don't we don't go to the cinema to pay good money to to sit there and listen to other people talk about the film that they're seeing or about other things. You pay good money to hear us talk about the film and let you know whether it's worth it. That's after, the idea. After or I before. had a similar experience, Ant Man and the Wasp. I kid you not, there were four blokes next to me who were shouting about their private lives. I won't go into any more details than that. During the film. During the film. It's bizarre. Bizarre. But anyway, rant over. Uh, I hope you feel better for getting that off I your do. chest. I, and I, I'd really love to hear everybody else's view mm, please on, do on this matter, actually. get in contact with us. I think it's important. You know, Do you agree with me? Do you think that if you've booked a certain seat, you go and sit in it? And if you're not happy with the seat that you've booked, would you move at any point? Would you move before the film starts? Would you just go and sit in a different seat before you've even walked in? I, I don't agree with that. But if you think that's something that is adequate or you don't mind doing, let us know. Um, you can email us on the usual email address, which is mymailisworthit at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us, which is now back up and running. So if you didn't know, I got the, the account suspended. Yep. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a crazy week. Mm. Uh, the account was suspended because they thought 
because Craig set the birthday of the account the, the day we started the podcast, they thought that the account was being run by a seven-month-old child. Mm-hmm. So they suspended <laughs> the account once I when I went to go and change the age of the account, and then they suspended it. Um, and Twitter, being Twitter, didn't like to change it immediately, so I had to send my driving license in to prove how old I was, not the podcast, um, and for them to unsuspend it, which took a, a couple of days. But, um, but we, we are, are back up. We are running. back, so you can tweet us. Um, so yeah, that's good. We apologise for the rant, but we feel much better for it, and we will now kick off the show in the usual way with our box office rundown. This is the box office rundown. Brought to you by Is It Worth It, the film review podcast. Yes, that's right. It's the box office rundown for the weekend of August 31st until September 2nd, 2018. David, let's start off at the bottom. Okie dokie, we'll start at number 10. And at 10, we have Mission Impossible Fallout, starring the never-aging Tom Cruise. That man does not age. Uh, the film has been out for six weeks. It's grossed £23.1 million, and it's fantastic. And I won't say any more than that. It's a brilliant film. Go and see it. In at number 9, we have Hotel Transylvania 3 Summer Vacation. That's been out for the same amount of time as Mission Impossible, so six weeks. And that's grossed £17.5 million. I said it was worth it. David, not so much. Mm. Um, it's the end of the summer holidays now, so I think that'll be leaving our box office rundown fairly soon. Yes, I agree. Above that, at eight, we have The Equalizer 2, starring the fantastic Denzel Washington. It's only been out for three weeks. I thought it'd been out a lot longer than that. In those three weeks, it's grossed £6.1 million. It's the only sequel Denzel has ever done. He is superb in it. The film is not as good as he is, um, but worth seeing I would say, nonetheless. Yes, and in at number seven, we have The Happy Time Murders. It's been out for one week and it's grossed £700,000. And we both agreed this is not worth it. This is a terrible, terrible film. There are a few laughs in it, but 90% of the film is pretty unwatchable rubbish. Uh, Something that isn't unwatchable rubbish is above it at number... Six. Six, thank you, Craig. And it is The Incredibles 2. It's been out for two months... It's grossed £53.8 million, and it is fantastic. Yes, and in at number five, we have Searching. Uh, This has been out for one week, and it's grossed £800,000. If you haven't listened to week uh, 18, 18. uh, where we interview Sev Ohanian, who is the producer and co-writer of the film, um, do check that out, because that was a really great interview, real good insight into how this film's made. Mm. Um, and we both agreed that this film is worth going to see in the cinema very much. So it's definitely a really good film. Absolutely uh, worth listening to that interview with Sev and definitely, definitely worth seeing. Above it at number four, we have, my God, it's Megalodon, The Meg. Uh, that's been out for a month now uh, and it's taken £14 million. This film wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, and both of us actually strangely enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, um, I strangely joined, uh, in, enjoyed it um, in IMAX 3D. I thought that was particularly <laughs> good, actually. 
Well, thanks for that, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) Above that, at number three, we have The Black Klansman. That's been out for two weeks. It's grossed £3.4 million. Uh, We reviewed this on last week's show. Uh, I thought it was a very good film, but it had an ending that was so powerful. Uh, I actually can't wait to see this again. So I would really, really recommend going to see this film. In at number two, we have Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. So that's been out for seven weeks and has grossed £62.3 million. It's still got real staying power in the Mm. box office. Um, Lots of people are going to see that. And there is a sing-along version coming out fairly soon as well. (sighs) (laughs) Wonderful. Um, No, I think the reason Mamma Mia and um, The Greatest Showman have done so well is that People do enjoy musicals a lot more than they Mm. let on. And it is much more accessible than seeing a musical in London, much cheaper and potentially, um, you know, a bit more fun. You know, you can sing along in in, in a cinema. I'm not quite sure that that would go down too well if you started bolting out stars in uh, Les Miserables in in the West (laughs) End. But um, alas, anyway, we shall move on. At the top of the list, we have Christopher Robin. It's been out for three weeks. It's grossed. £10.9 million. Uh, Again, we reviewed this last week. The first time I saw it, um, I didn't dislike it, but I didn't like it as much as I hoped. I saw it again, and I think I was a little bit critical. I think this is a a very good film, um, and I think Pooh Bear is absolutely adorable in it, and Jim Cummings does a superb job with the voice. Yeah, so that is our box office rundown there. David, would you like to take it from the bottom to the top in your usual style? Yes, I will. At number 10 is Mission Impossible Fallout 9, Hotel Transylvania 3, Summer Vacation, 8, The Equalizer 2, 7, The Happy Time Murders, not that anyone had a happy time watching it, Um, at 6, The Incredibles 2, at 5, Searching, 4, The Meg, 3, Black Klansman, to Mamma Mia, here we go again. And at the top, we have the wonderful bear, Winnie the Pooh, starring in Christopher Robin. It's now time for our first review of the show, and we will be, well, I say we, Craig will be reviewing Yardi, uh, which is the directional debut of Idris Elba. Um, I wanted to see this film, but unforeseen circumstances forebode it. Yeah, so let me give you a synopsis of this film then, David. So yes, as you said, it is directed by Idris Elba, um, so it's his directorial debut, uh, and it's based on the novel of the same name, which takes place in Kingston, Jamaica in the 1970s and transitions into the 80s and moves on to Hackney in London. Um, We follow the life of Dee, uh, Dee for Dennis, who grows up in the the 70s with his older brother in Jamaica, um, and as he gets older, he goes to London Hackney for various reasons. Um, times are very turbulent in Kingston. Um, uh, when a young girl dies after being caught in the crossfire by a rival gangster, mm. um, Dee's older brother decides to take it upon himself to to bring the town together again. Uh, how does he do this? Well, he unites them by putting on a sort of music DJ sort of session in no man's land where everyone will gather around and, and has a good time. And that first... That works. But unfortunately, disaster strikes and uh, Dee's brother is struck down by a gunman and is left dead. Um, Dee is obviously um, has a very turbulent upbringing. Mm. He um, 
gets raised by King Fox, who is one of the gangsters who now runs the entire Kingston after the so-called success of what Dee's brother did. Um, but King Fox now has other plans for, for Dee and sends him to Hackney um, with a package to sell to um, another gangster. So there's lots of gangsters in this film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the gangster is played by Stephen Graham, who plays Rico, um, and here's a clip. Yeah, Mwayo, see it. Rupi, catch your phone there. Yes, play the pattern I'm asking for play. Boom. Hello? Yeah. Yo, Rupi, nobody give me the big talk, man. Put the boss on the phone. How are you? All right. Boss, be the on the phone. Want you? Sorry. Hey. How can I see you going with the London I'm sorry, Fox. I'm trying to call you for three weeks, man. But, man, everything cool, man. Find a different connection. We're going to need more of us. Only more. We're going to clean up in England, trust me. <laughs> Dennis, I said pass the thing to Rico. Rico, too slack, man. I'm not ready. Dennis, I ask you to deliver the goods to Rico. I trusted you. You never hear me say Rico is a liability. I run him out about how oh, he was a big fish in a little pan. I can't take them thing. I sent you to London so you wouldn't start a war in Kingston. Are you going to London to start one? What the f*** would you hear? Listen, and listen to me well. You just make sure I get my money in a youth. Now, Queen, you don't want me to come to London for my money. Fox, I tried to tell you, Rico. Move, and your bomber clad dead. Stand up. Put on a phone. Hello, Dennis. So, of course, when D ends up in London, lots of things un, uh, unravel, um, and other things happen as well. Where D just wants to take revenge uh, and finding out lots of truths. So, that that's pretty much sums up the film. Um, for a directional debut, um, Idris does produce a, a pretty solid film, I'd say. Um, it's interesting because it feels like he's been directing films for, for many, many years. Um, but it's, it, it's, it, it is problematic in some aspects because there are some things that you are left wondering how they got away with certain things. And mm. that's down to the director, I think, interpreting the, the, the source material. So I think he knew the source material incredibly well. Um, and he knew the areas very well. So he grew up in Hackney, mm. so he shot most of the film in Hackney, um, and he does a really good job of setting the scenes as well. So when we're in Kingston, Jamaica, it really feels like the 1970s um, and it really feels like you're in Jamaica. Um, the, the Hackney really feels like you're in Hackney in the 1980s. Um, the music as well, like he, Idris, I think he produced a lot of the music for this film himself. Um, and, and all of that comes together in a really neat package. Mm. The acting is superb. But there is a problem with this film and I can't quite put my finger on it. And I think it is down to the fact that he is a first time director. Mm -hmm. I think he's missed certain elements out that need to be in the film. And, and it is those elements that are, you know, little, little plot holes, I think, that would have, st have stopped it from being perfect, unfortunately. Um, Stephen Graham is just amazing in the film. Like, so he has... He's actually born um, part Jamaican, so he has got relatives who are Jamaican, mm. um, and he does this 
brilliant Jamaican accent that he he's obviously putting on because he's actually a, a, a London gangster. Mm. But he does it in such a way where it's very convincing. Um, and he sort of transitions between this South London accent as well. And it's like he's playing two or three different characters within the film. And, and he does it in such a way that really you get scared because he's playing... He transitions between the two where one is just very scary. He mm. just become he just when he loses that Jamaican accent, he's very scary. And he plays it so convincingly. I think he does a really great job of that. D, who is played by Amel Amin, um, really great job as well. Um, you can't fault any of the actors in the film. So honestly, I think it's a confident piece of work, um, and especially as a first-time director, it's solid. Um, but that, that just, there are just parts that do not work for me, unfortunately. Well, thank you very much for that review, Craig. So I shall ask you the question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, Yardy, is it worth it? Yeah, I think it's worth going to see in the cinema because of how it looks, the stylistic way it's played out. Um, the difficulty of understanding some of the accents as well. I think some people will have trouble with that. And I know Idris has actually expressed saying that there will be a subtitled version going out at some point. But I mean, you do have to work hard to understand what they're saying. Um, but I don't think that's a mm. problem for most. Yeah, I, I find that with with a lot of films, actually, that have very strong regional accents. I often watch them with the subtitles, not because I necessarily can't follow it, but it just makes it that that little bit easier. Yeah, and, it takes and, the pressure off you a little bit. You can, yeah. you can take your mind off of it so slightly. You don't have to be focused so hard on it. The problem with that is some people hate subtitles in films. Um, having not seen it, if you were struggling with some of the accents, that may have affected um, the flow of the film. Um, but yeah, from yeah. from from what you've said from 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 your review, it sounds like Idris for for a directional debut produced something. Yeah, it's, it's very solid. solid. Yeah, definitely. So that was Craig's review of Yardi. My name's Craig Fields. And I'm David Long. And we are both Cineworld Unlimited card holders. From just £17.90 a month, you can see any film, any time, as many times as you like. You can also get 10% off snacks and drinks, exclusive preview screenings of upcoming releases, and unlimited customers can now enjoy 25% off food and drink at Café Rouge, Bella Italia, Las Iguanas, La Tasca and Belgo. And if you would like £10 off your first month's unlimited membership, just use the code, is it worth it? So it is now time for our second review of the show, and we will be reviewing Upgrade, which is directed by Lee Wannell, uh, who was actually the writer of the first Saw film. Uh, now, this film is set in the future, and our protagonist, Grey, is played by Logan Marshall Green, and he suffers a um, life-altering event. Uh, an accident leaves him alone and wheelchair-bound with absolutely no uh, sense of hope. However, in the future, technology is more advanced than any of us, even Apple product users, could ever <laughs> imagine. Um, and Gray is offered uh, a chance to walk again with a computer chip implant called STEM. And really, the whole film is about what will he do with his newfound power? Because he's not a man, he's not a robot, he's more. He's, he's, <laughs> that's the slogan of the film isn't it yeah yeah more than a man more than a robot something like that mm. um great kick us off well i'm gonna 
say straight away that I really, really enjoyed this film. Um, for a film that I know has a low budget, it feels very, very, very high budget. It does this fantastic job of presenting you with a very Blade Runner 2049 cinematography style and visual visual elements from it. Um, it's not quite up to par with Blade Runner, but it really does get very close to the way it presents itself. Mm. Um and a lot of the technology and the way that they show the future, I think, is really done very well. And I think these guys, you know, who are used to having very low, low amounts of money to spend on films um, are able to stretch, you know, a slightly higher amount of budget on a film like this. And, and I think they've excelled incredibly well with this one. Mm. Um, what did you think? Yeah, so I saw this after you and I went in with quite high expectations because you said you'd you'd really enjoyed it and i i was very very impressed um i thought the soundtrack was very good um it, it had that blade runner feel even the soundtrack i, I mean the, the soundtrack wasn't as good as blade runner 2049 neither was the the cinematography but we're talking about vastly different budgets but for what it was not only was it visually very good the way the future was shown was very very clever mm. so Cars that drive themselves, but this car looked futuristic. And that may sound stupid for me to say, but we see lots of films that are set in the future and things just don't look futuristic. They look stupid. They look, look this looked really quite impressive. And like mm. you said, the, the, the interactive touchscreens on computers, the way people's houses were, uh, skyscrapers, uh, the police operating everything, uh, via drones, um, in the future, humans have uh, ID chips implanted in their arms. Little things like this were just really clever uh, and made made me really film feel like I was watching a futuristic film. But actually, the, the the thing that really grabs you with this film is the fact that it has a really good plot and a very good script. So even though the budget may not be that high, the fact that it's got a good plot, a good script and some phenomenal acting makes it a very enjoy enjoyable yeah. cinema experience. And I was just going to get onto the acting as well. You know, it's solid. You know, Green is able to deliver this performance where you he you know he's not controlling his body or it looks like he's not controlling his body and his facial expressions mm. express what he's feeling, but he's being driven by the chip. Yeah. And 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 the way he very convincingly plays that is just fantastic. Mm. And it, it's funny. It's graphic. It's yeah, very graphic. Really well executed. Um, some of the fight scenes within the film are just superb. Really well Matrix, done. Like the Matrix, aren't very they? Matrix style. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, so I mean, we spoke a bit about the plot, but obviously, so there is this this accident that renders him disabled, and his wife dies. And um, that happens very early in the film. Uh, and the reason I say that is because really he, he it's then a film about vengeance. He wants answers. Why did this happen? And then he wants to take vengeance. But obviously he can't do that because he is literally um, motionless from the neck down. He gets this this opportunity to have this chip implanted. And like you said, it completely transforms into the state where he's not even controlling his own body. Mm. And the way the actor shows it is it's freaky. It's almost like they've peeled his skin. Of, of the actor and then actually put his skin on a real robot and then just film that because he's so robotic. I mean, forget Peter Crouch. This guy <laughs> takes the robot to a next level. His movements are just brilliant and his facial expressions 
Um, he looks a lot like Tom Hardy. I kept slapping myself actually in the film saying, is this Tom Hardy? Is this Tom Hardy? It's not Tom Hardy. Um, but he's, his performance was, was Tom Hardy-esque. It was, it was brilliant. Um, really, really good. Um, David, upgrade, is it worth it? Yes. Um, this film uh, is, is definitely worth it um, for the reasons we've outlined. Um, some, some good humour in it as well, uh, which was surprising. Mm. Uh, and, and some graphic violence. And I've spoken about graphic violence before, about don't just use it for the sake of it. I actually think that, like in Sicario 2, when the, the graphic violence is used in this film, it's used to great effect. It's, of all the films I've seen since doing the podcast, there's one particular scene where everyone was like, <gasps> you know, people were jumping out of their seats in the cinema. And I haven't really seen that in, in any other films. Brilliantly acted, uh, well scripted. And for the budget, I think it's it's a cracking film mm. and well worth seeing. I mean, they draw upon their experiences with Saw to mm. include that graphic detail. Yeah. But in a really good way and yeah. a way that you know that that is carrying the plot along in mm. a way. Yeah, it's not just, you know, let's have blood and gore Slash, for the sake of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It, it actually works. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I would 100% recommend seeing this in the cinema. I think it's a really good cinematic film to see in the cinema. Um, I know this is just coming out on DVD in, in America, so they've had it for quite a while, this Oh, film. really? Oh, wow. Yeah, so it, it's only just come to us for, for various reasons. Um, I don't know how many cinemas have picked it up either. Mm. It's not on a massively wide release, but I know a lot of people really wanted to see it. Um, so if you can get to your local cinema to see it, go and see it now. If you can't, see if you can go further afield and, and see it, because I really do think it's worth going to see. Totally agree. Okie dokie then, it is now time for the news and I'm going to bring you one piece of news and it is about Damien Chazelle's film First Man. Um, it started to premiere at various uh, film festivals already uh, and like I said, there's a lot of Oscar talk. Um, it's the bookie's favourite at the moment to pick up the Best uh, Picture Award but the film has already come in for some fairly heavy criticism uh, from a variety of uh, film critics, uh, the American public and Donald Trump, who said it's a real shame, very unpatriotic, because um, Damien Chazelle does not show Neil Armstrong planting the US flag on the moon. Uh, as far as I um, am aware, there are shots of the flag on the moon, but the specific moment that Neil Armstrong puts it into the moon isn't shown. And people have gone crazy. I mean, you go on Rotten Tomatoes and there's just not interested, not interested, unpatriotic, left-wing garbage, absolute rubbish. <laughs> and people really losing their temper over the fact that people believe this is some sort of political statement. The The director himself has said that it isn't, um, that the film is simply f focusing on the idea that this was an, a, an achievement for all humankind and not just um, America. And to me, I think this is all a bit of a storm in a teacup, but nonetheless, um, it's something that's making, making news all around the world. You know, a lot of people are talking about this. Um, and in this particular article, um, Buzz Aldrin uh, and Neil Armstrong's, uh, sons have responded, uh, to this, uh, flag controversy. And actually they're saying, uh, quite similar things that really they, they, I mean, they're a different generation. I would say they, that, 
they don't see what the big deal about it is. Ryan Gosling uh, has also spoke about the issue. And I think people are getting way too carried away over this. The film is called First Man. It is about Neil Armstrong. It is about NASA. It is very clear that these are American men. You know, it's not like they have Russian accents. You know, it's not like some, you know, they plant a Chinese flag on the moon. (laughs) It's not that political. People are getting completely carried away with this. Hopefully uh, it won't overshadow what I'm expecting to be a very brilliant film. But I just thought it was fantastic. It's a bit insane, isn't it? You said to me earlier, who really sent... Well, for for those of you who know your history, um, the chief um, rocket engineer for NASA at the time was Werner von Braun. Uh, He was actually the chief rocket engineer for the Nazis during during World War Two. And when the war finished, both the Russians and the Americans knew of his incredible um, rocket engineering capabilities. And they both tried to capture him. It was the Americans that captured him and offered him citizenship, etc., which was in light of what he'd been making during the war was probably a lot more than he actually deserved. Um, And they got him on board with NASA. So if you want to get political about this, the person who invented um, the Saturn V rocket that put man on the moon was also the person who wore a Nazi uniform and made uh, rockets for the Nazis during World War Two, and I and I just think people are getting carried away, and I think it's a real shame. Like I said, I think it'll be a storm in a teacup, but the reason I've included it in the news is Google it. I mean, people have gone mad. Yeah, they really completely have. insane. I'm looking forward to this film though, um, and yeah. <laughs> that's 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 a little bit of news from me and it's real news not fake news folks not fake news some news from me then well uh, on Thursday we said goodbye to the legend that is Burt Reynolds mm. uh, he passed away at the age of 82 and of course Burt Reynolds starred in the 1971 Deliverance which was uh, one of the films that I studied for film studies and 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 a, had a real impact in me on well, on me in, in in terms of wanting to to make films for a living and and go and see films and um yeah, so a really, really sad bit of news. Um, he was said uh, to be, go or going to be said to be starring in Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but had yet to film anything for the film. So, um, yeah, so that that is a real shame. Um, do you have any other news or just my, my last piece, is it? Okay, so the last piece of news, well, it's not really news that we're going to talk about. It's its just I wanted to mention uh, a film called Cold War. Um, this has had limited release in, in cinemas. It's not um, been in our local cinema. However, it is available um, online um, through Curzon Home Cinema. So they are the distributor of the film as well as um, having it online. So you can watch it on, on Curzon Home Cinema or you can see it in, in one of their picture houses that they have as well. And um, there's, the critics have been um, saying it's a very, very, very good film. So I'm going to be watching that um, at some point this week to have it on our next next episode, I think, because I've, um, it looks very, very good. So if you are someone who doesn't isn't able to go to the cinema that much... Um, but you henceforth listen to this podcast. Uh, maybe this is one that you can listen to, or you, this is a film that you can watch online. It's £10 to stream it, so it's pretty much the same as the ticket to the cinema, but uh, I think it might be worth worth checking out. And in other news, a frisky dolphin forces authorities to ban swimming off the west coast of France. And that was the news brought to you by Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. 
So our next review on week 19 is Alpha. This is directed by Albert Hughes and Alpha takes place 20,000 years ago during the last Ice Age. Our protagonist is set to go hunting with his father and the rest of his tribe before the next cold spell sets in. Um, A terrible accident takes place, rendering our young protagonist alone with his father, believing his son is actually dead. Uh, With his chances of survival near to zero, he strikes up this unusual relationship, which won't just save his life, but pave the way to a relationship with man's best friend. Um, I'm going to kickstart this review by saying that I really like this film. Mm. Um, The reason I really like this film is the cinematography and the way it's shot and the way it's presented to us is superb. What did you think in that aspect? So I I, I agree. I mean, f- firstly, three things about this film. Uh, visually stunning, um, superbly acted, and quite an emotionally engaging plot. Uh, we can't talk about the script, really, because there almost isn't a script in the sense that um, it's a subtitled film because they're speaking in a foreign language. It's a language that doesn't actually exist. Um, it's completely made up. Uh, and I think that works really, really well. Because it makes us feel more like we are 20,000 years ago. And I think instead of just having them speak English, I, I just think it works. It, it makes it more believable. Like you said, visually, this is a, is a stunning film. Um, it's shot uh, in Canada. Um, and a lot of it, one thing I, I, I watched it today, I said to you, a lot of it is, is, is shot in golden hour. So early morning, late at night. So there's a yeah. lot of lovely shots of sunrises, sunsets. Um, these uh, early man cavemen. Would you call them cavemen? I, d- I think cavemen were probably a lot earlier than that. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely a lot earlier than that. But they they feel very tribal. Yeah. So we see, you know, lovely shots of them uh, going on this hunt, and um, it's 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 visually very impressive. I mean, the opening scene on first watch, I didn't really enjoy it. It felt very over the top quite dramatic and also also quite 300-esque. Uh, for those of you who have seen 300, there was a lot of sort of dramatic one-liners in a, in a language you didn't understand and then sort of quite abstract slow motion. Mm. As the film developed, the start actually grew on me um, and I think the reason they went for that powerful punchy start was because a lot of the film was just our young protagonist and his newfound wolf friend uh, and therefore there wasn't a huge amount of action. So on reflection, the start, um, that punchy start, uh, does work and it has, it does have a very abstract feel. So the, the nature shots, whilst they are beautiful, there's, there's something that's been done that makes it slightly abstract and art housey. It, it doesn't quite feel natural if, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, I did really like Morgan Freeman's voiceover as well. And it really did give us a yeah. bit of, um, you know, understanding as to where we were in in history and and what's happening, what's going to unfold, almost, and mm. and you kind of need that. I think you need that sort of direction um, to help you follow along just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, anything with Morgan Freeman is a win for me. <laughs> um, I, d- I, d- I didn't enjoy it as much as you, uh, and there's a few reasons for that. I think the pace of this film is problematic. Firstly, um, the introduction of Alpha, the the dog, the wolf, uh, I think comes too late. Um, 
yes, we want a backstory, we want an emotional connection with the characters, but I think, if anything, that was too long. However, saying that, one of my favourite parts of the film was when the father thinks his son is dead. I thought that was brilliant acting, um, really emotional, very raw. It, to me, it looked like a one-take, you know, cut, perfect. Um, but I did feel the pace was slightly slow, and the main problem with this film is I think if this had come out before The Revenant, this would have been spoken about in quite high uh, acclaim. The problem is, if you want to see a film like this, a film about being abandoned, stranded in the wilderness, mm. fighting to get home to your loved ones, you've got to see The Revenant. It's visually better. Uh, the acting is better. The script is better. The story is better. That's, I'm not saying Alpha is bad because it is not a bad film, but you, it, it feels so much like The Revenant that... It's it in that sense. It's unfortunate for the, everyone who's involved in this film because they're trying to take on something that's won uh, a number of awards, obviously including Best Actor for Leo DiCaprio. I I haven't actually seen The Revenant. I ha having seen this and enjoyed this, I can tell you, you are going to say The Revenant is a masterpiece. Knowing you and how you like your cinematography and particularly um, nature and how that shot, you, you will love The Revenant. And like I said, that's not me saying this is a bad film because it isn't a bad film. And most critics say the same thing. Good acting, uh, stunning visuals, just the story and the pace just doesn't have that punch um, yeah, no, the, I, I agree the, the with, the, with you with the pace, though. With you know, I wanted them to get to to Alpha a lot quicker. Mm. Um, it did take them a long time to build that up, but I think what they were trying to do was develop the character a bit more. You give you a bit more to be invested mm. um, into that that our main protagonist. You know, we want to be invested in him very much. So, no, totally agree. I mean, we we've reviewed an, enough films, and we've said, look, there's no emotional connection. So, how you know, how can we get engaged and fight you know uh, you know will this boy on to get back to his family if we don't have an emotional connection with him but remember the film is called alpha the film is supposed to be about man's relationship with uh, wolves with dogs and how that relationship was struck up and to me it it, it just took too long um and there is a, a a very clear difference between the cgi wolves and the real wolf or dog i'm not actually 100% sure what it is. is it Yorkshire Terrier? Uh, no, I don't. Jack Russell. Um, I'm not a dog expert, but it's very clear what's CGI'd and obviously what's a real dog. But the dog's lovely. You know, he is lovely. And you want to see um, the boy trust the, uh, the wolf and the wolf trust the boy. And we do see that. And the relationship does grow. I just wanted a little bit more of that. But nonetheless, um, I think it's worth it. I'm just going to go out and say, it, th I, I, <laughs> I think this film's worth it. Uh, I will ask you the question, Craig. Alpha, is it worth it? Uh, I, I believe this is very much so worth going to see in the cinema. Um, you could watch this at home, but I feel like it, 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 you'd, you'd enjoy it in the cinema more, mm. I think. I think the visuals are just brilliant. I, I love the time lapses that they've put in there as well. There's a particular scene where our protagonist is laying in a tree um, and and it goes from night to day in this beautiful time lapse with the night sky coming overhead and you see all the stars moving in the sky. And I thought that was a really great way of part mm. for the passing of time. And I love to see that in the big screen. I love seeing mm. that in the cinema. Um, it would work well at home, but I'm much better in the cinema. No, for me, I totally agree. This is definitely worth seeing in the cinema for the reason that 
it looks fantastic on a big screen. And on that note as well, um, the director's very, very clever actually here because, like I said, there is a problem with pace, but his use of light in the film is brilliant. So it, it goes from daylight to dark, daylight to dark. So we're not only are we getting the sense of time passing, as viewers, mm. we're in the dark and then the light comes. And, it's you know, it's it, the human brain is wired to respond to light. So when the day comes on the big screen, you sort of wake up and you're back engaged with the film. And that I think that's a clever... Um, a clever film technique because he could have had huge chunks of it filmed in the dark or or, or mm. vice versa. And the fact it goes from night to, to day so quickly um, and, and, and shot so beautifully as well is very, very clever and keeps you engaged. But that also gives us, you know, the, the passage of time because we mm. see our protagonist grow a slight moustache. You see the winter coming in. <laughs> it's certainly not in. as handsome as Craig's moustache. <laughs> but alas, he has one. Barely, barely, uh, barely. It's, it's. But we'll be honest. I mean, if I was stranded in the Canadian wilderness for mm. a period of weeks or months, I would be disappointed with that mustache. I thought, in terms of a mustache, it was a pretty poor effort. If you want to see a real mustache, but I think go that... and see Mission Impossible Fallout because <laughs> well, yeah, that's Henry a Cavill's... great, great mustache. Yeah, Henry Cavill's tash in that film, <laughs> epic. Um, but no, no, I think it's because it just shows how young he is as well, mm. and 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 how inexperienced he is with what he's doing you know we know from the film that he's very inexperienced so for the fact that he's lost in the wilderness and has Mm. to survive himself and you're really urging him to be able to do that and i think all of those things collate into you having that emotional connection with that character so Mm. totally agree yeah so that is our review of alpha So it is now time for us to take a look at The Nun. Uh, This film is directed by Corin Hardy and the screenplay is by James Wan. uh, And it's a prequel to The Conjuring and uh, Annabelle universe. Uh, What is it about? Well, it's about um, more than just The Nun. Uh, It is about a priest with a history of investigating paranormal and demonic activity. Uh, He is sent by the Vatican to Romania to investigate the horrific death of a nun. Uh, he's accompanied by a young novice who's on the verge of taking her vows, uh, and they both go, basically, to investigate how and why this nun died. The Catholic Church want to know if this place in Romania is still holy, or is there something bad going something on? Something a bit more sinister. Something a bit more sinister, yes. Um, anyway, neither of them, even the priest could foresee the demonic horror that awaits. Um, So that's a brief synopsis. I'll kick us off with this one, Craig. So, The Nun. I was really, really excited about this film. Uh, I thought the trailer looked really promising. Uh, I liked the trailer that was so scary it had to be removed from YouTube. Um, I liked James Wan, uh, Insidious, The First Conjuring. But I came out of this film disappointed um and and I'll and I'll tell you why it is not a bad film it's not a bad film there's some very good acting um there's actually some very scary scary parts in this there's some good direction there's some really nice set pieces in it the script actually isn't that bad but the problem with this film is the plot is just absolutely ridiculous i mean it really is stupid <laughs> 
it, it frustrates me. It really frustrates me why modern horror films have to take something that was good. The nun in, in the original Conjuring or the second Conjuring, I can't remember which one it is, that painting of her, that scene with her, is really scary. People say it's one of the best bits of the film. So what do they do? They make a spin-off with it. And they make a spin-off that plot is utterly ludicrous. So the director has talent. James Wan has talent. The actors have talent. But they've put, they're putting together a film that really, yet again, doesn't need to be made. And it, it le- it's leaky. You know, and there mm. are good bits, but overall, it's yet another disappointing horror film where we've got people turning up to a to a ghost and demon hunt with guns again. It's like the win. It's like Winchester Take Two, mm. it, but it's not as bad as Winchester. Well, I'll there, say there's that. a lot of crash bangs that, that are there to, to to scare you, but ultimately, you're never really that scared in this film. Um, there's that one scene that you see in the trailer that is scary. Mm. But you've already seen it. And yeah. uh, there are really any other points in the film where I found myself being scared because I wanted to be scared by for a horror film, if mm. you know what I mean. It was all loud noises um, that, that frightened me in the sense that I didn't see that yeah. coming. But I wasn't scared because, oh, that's horrific. Mm. Um, the, I mean, the difference is in, in, in Winchester, it was like three, two, one, bang. In this film, the bang jumps did take me by surprise. So... In that sense, they were clever, but they you still were just jumping because you were in a surround sound theatre mm. and there was a huge noise. Um, and it's it, it's just frustrating because, you know, there, there are moments in this film that are scary. And some of the scariest bits, actually, are when your mind plays tricks on you. So you see the nun from a distance and it and, and that's scary. But as soon as you see the nun up close with this sort of CGI vampire like face... You just think, well, this is ridiculous. And I won't go into the plot. I'll, I'll let our, our listeners enjoy that for themselves. But, the, I mean, the plot is terrible, isn't it? Oh, they're, they're terrible. There's, there's certain scenes in there as well that are just absolutely ludicrous. I mean, there's a part where the priest is uh, somehow locked in, in a... In a, in a uh, what do you call it? Um, He's just buried alive, Buried basically. alive, yeah, essentially. For, and, but, and, but, and, and for no reason other than... Oh, this is a film about the Catholic Church and this is spooky miracles. And he's just going to get buried alive for no other reason than it's an act of God or the, or, or the but demon the, but possessed nun. The point none. is, though, being buried alive, you know, you, you're going to feel claustrophobic mm. and that's going you, it's going to put you in that sense as yeah. well. And people don't like that. Yeah. But it's done in such a way that's so ludicrously yeah. stupid that you are just thinking, that, well, that's just stupid. That's never going to happen. Yeah, being buried alive, it actually harks back to the dark ages when people were buried with bells because obviously the, the plague. And they uh, built that up. And they and they and people were really buried alive because, yeah. you know, medicine wasn't like it is now. You know, you saw someone, they looked pretty ropey. Let's bury them. Um, and they're actually alive, ring the bell. So that is scary. And like you said, it's been put in the film because... Anyone would be scared of being buried alive, but the way they've done it, it's like a two-year-old wrote the, wrote the wrote the plot. It, it's it's pretty terrible, and it's it's just such a shame. And the way it's linked in to the the Conjuring universe, I mean, this is all because of films um, like Avengers, you know, like the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like Star Wars, big successful franchises that people are involved in, and now. Um, these films with Insidious and Conjuring and Annabelle, which were good, 
Um, they're expanding it. They're talking about a nun too. There's another character in one of the Conjurings that they've already started making a spin-off. So this is the fifth film. I believe there's three more in post in pre-production. So we're looking at another three to make it wow, eight. No. And it, it's just silly. It it isn't needed. And this shows you or shows me how brilliant Hereditary was, how good A Quiet Place was, different, unique, um, interesting horrors. Whereas this is, yes, of course there's bits that's scary. I mean, uh, a demon-possessed nun is going to scare anybody, but does it need to be made? Uh, it could have, yes, it needs to be made in, in some regards, but the way with, they with, executed with, with, with it. With this plot? <laughs> exactly. Like If they had a much better plot, it would have worked maybe a lot better. But, mm. you know, we've got our psychic friend who is French-Canadian and that they repeatedly drew upon him to say that he's French Canadian and as a, as a joke to make a little bit of humor in the film and and that didn't work at all it was he, not funny he, at all his character was good though he I was th- likable mm. but uh, but almost but mm. ridiculous there was a slapstick element uh there was one scene that was really strange um in the midst of all this sort of scariness um you know he's got his shotgun the shotgun goes off and he's like I thought that would be a good time to use the shotgun it's like it's not really, mate. It's, it's. I've saved it for that point. Right, good, it, good for you, mate. It's, it's, it, it's, it's very disappointing. Mm. Bring um, a gun to a ghost fight. Yeah, it's, it's Winchester all over again. And like I said, that the, there are bits, bits of the film that are good, and there's some good acting in it. But overall, as, as, a, as an overall piece, it's, it's pretty poor. Um, so, David, the nun, is it worth it? It's a tough one. Is it? it, it no, it is a tough one because. I'm going to say no. Um, I, I, I don't think I don't think this film is worth seeing. Having said that, if you want to see it, um, it makes sense to see it in the cinema. The surround sound I saw in IMAX is very effective, but it, it's just such a, a, a cliche modern horror that I, I genuinely don't think it's worth seeing in the cinema. Personally, yeah, I, I agree. I avoid it to be honest with you. I think it's really quite badly done, um, and just isn't worth seeing in the cinema wait until it comes out somewhere else and watch it at home I think turn all your lights off at home draw all the curtains and, and have, a, have, have a bit of fun with a load of your mates watching well, it well yeah the, the but, conjuring I, tr- I mean I live alone as you know I, 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 I just put that on one evening I had to turn it off there was no way I was watching that at home on my own and that is an effective film and the, the biggest damnation I can give this film is that probably the best bit in it is the two clips from from the original films, mm. um, and that and that shows you that really it's just a spin-off. That maybe there's a need for it, but the plot was ridiculous and um, save you money. I'd say the only redeeming feature of it, as you've already probably, I think you mentioned earlier on, is the sound. Like if you're in a theatre, like the, an IMAX theatre, the sound quality is just superb. Like the sound design and 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 how <laughs> it reverberates all around you, and you've the birds and yeah. There there, there was one bit where they're they're in a chapel. Um, obviously in this Romanian sort of castle and uh, there was there was a pigeon in there and the pigeon flies and I honestly was looking around in the cinema because I actually thought there was a pigeon in mm. the IMAX theatre because the sound quality was that good so it, it, it's pretty simple if you want to see The Nun see it in the cinema if you were 50-50 don't see it and I apologise for my pinging iPad I'm sorry Craig <laughs> that's okay but I no yeah I don't think it's worth seeing ever <laughs> Fair enough. Really? Yeah, not good at all. Watch Hereditary instead. 
Stop peeing. I'm sorry. I I should be on airplane mode. I apologise. That's okay. So what are we what are we reviewing next? Uh, next up, we will be reviewing. Is it the Children Act? The Children Act. If you've scrolled through your Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or done anything remotely connected to the internet, you've probably seen an ad for a subscription service. Something like Dollar Shave Club, Five Four Club, The Birch Box, and many, many more. You may be wondering, what is the big deal about subscription boxes? Well, Package Media is here to tell you all about them, but not just tell you about the box, but the person behind the package. Come join us and listen in as we interview the creators behind these businesses so that you can understand not only the product, but the passion behind their services. Come check us out at Packaged Media. We are subscribed. We are packaged. So our next film is The Children Act. This is based on the novel by Ian McEwan. Ian McEwan did the screenplay as well. Um, So it sees Fiona May, who's played by Emma Thompson, uh, playing a high court judge specialising in cases involving children. She's currently in the middle of a marital crisis of her own with her husband, who's played by Stanley Tucci. Uh, But when a case involving a 17-year-old Jehovah Witness who's refusing to accept a blood transfusion on religious grounds is thrust upon her, the very matter of life and death lies in her hands. So this is... um, it's not a very cinematic film, this. I'm going to kick straight off in that. It it does feel very TV-esque, mm. um, but not necessarily bad um, in that sense, but it does feel very, very TV-esque. Um, what did you think about the film initially when you first walked out of the cinema? Hmm. It, this, is, this was a very strange uh, viewing experience because what holds this film together really is the acting. Um, Emma Thompson is fantastic. Uh, Stanley Tucci is also superb. Uh, I absolutely love Stanley Tucci. I think he's brilliant in everything that he does. Uh, the, the the plot, the subject matter is obviously brilliant because it's based on uh, an Ian McEwan novel uh, and he is a fantastic novelist. Um, but his, 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 his writing is so brilliant and his his subject matter so heavy at times um, that it is difficult to bring it to the big screen. Atonement was successful because you had the the love interest, but also the uh, the war element. So there was an opportunity for action. This taking the book and putting it onto the big screen was always going to be difficult. Um, so the film is therefore slightly flawed. It's flawed in the sense that the the pace is is quite slow. Um, for for some people, it would be very difficult to watch because it's not cinematic in the sense that there's no you know there's no action, there's no quick development. It is very very pedestrian. Now, for someone like myself, I quite like that. I quite like that gritty realism. But like you said, it does feel like it would be more suited to a a ten part um, BBC series where you can really get to know um, these characters. Because if anything, you want to know more. Mm. Well, I felt like I wanted to know more of the characters, and that's I imagine what the book gives you. Yeah, it does. It it is a very dri- uh, character driven film, and TV. As you can have more episodes mm. on the TV, you do end up getting a bigger character development in most things that you see on TV, and that's why I felt like it it could do better mm. on TV. But it did also feel like a TV drama unfolding. Yeah. I mean, the, the the plot is very solid, and like you said, our our protagonist Fiona May is a is a high court judge, and 
early in the film, we see her dealing with a number of cases, all of which were on religious grounds. So it did feel very charged in that respect, quite religiously charged, mm. if, if, if that makes sense. And then we come to this case of this 17-year-old uh, Jehovah's Witness who's refusing a blood transfusion because he believes it goes against his religion. Um, we're not 100% sure if that's what he wants or if it's being forced on him by his parents. And we see this unfolding in, in some uh, quite well-directed and quite engaging uh, court scenes. Um, and it's, it's very heavy subject matter, life and death, but really there's, there's so much more to it because what becomes apparent is this isn't really about the boy. It isn't about whether he gets the blood transfusion or not. It's about Fiona. It's about this high court judge. It's about her life, her failing marriage. She's not being intimate with her husband. Um, she hasn't had children, which is something that Stanley Tucci's character is obviously quite upset about and it it works it's watchable it's superbly acted and let me say if, if it wasn't superbly acted it, it would be hard work mm. but Ian McEwan novels are Ian McEwan novels and I don't necessarily think they translate to good watchable um films just just because the subject matter is so so heavy his characters are so well developed that it's hard to get that across in a limited amount of time but nonetheless it it was powerful and and the ending in particular we were both sort of blown away actually by not the ending but the audience reaction yeah no definitely i i think the the fact that you're sitting in the credits and not a single person mm is getting up because they're all quite taken aback by how it's ended. And I've never really been in a film when not a single person in a packed out room mm. decides to get up because everybody is quite clearly calculating in their head, thinking, reflecting on what's just happened. Mm. It, it was bizarre. So the, we won't say anything about the ending, but the film ends um, and the, 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 the scene almost continues Um and the trailers start coming and nobody moved. And we're talking a good three or four minutes. It was it was strange, but I think people were knocked back by just how emotionally charged this film was. Mm. The questions it asks about whose right is it to decide who lives and dies, you know. Basically, the you know, he's 17, therefore, according to the law, um, the law must intervene and and save him because he is a child, therefore he the law states he doesn't have the mental capacity, even though he's 17, to make those decisions. But then there's themes of marriage. Um it's 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 it you know, I, I want if anything, I want to read the novel. Mm. Um that's what the the film has achieved. I think Emma Thompson's superb, I think Stanley Tucci's superb, but as a film, I, I, I just don't think it quite works. No, we have to mention um, uh, Fionn Whitehead as well, who plays Adam Henry. He's the seventeen-year-old child. Mm. Um, I think he was really, really fantastic in this film as well, um, and particularly the uh, interactions between himself and and Emma Thompson's character as well. They really worked well together. Mm. Um, really beautiful scene when she goes and visits him in, in the hospital. Yeah. Um, an unusual uh, thing for a judge to do, mm. um, but a real beautifully um, emotionally charged scene, mm. um, which stands present for the rest of the film and, and how it, how it goes on. So for that purpose and that reason, I, 
I still think this film, I'm going to answer, answer my, the question before you've even given it to me, but I think it's <laughs> worth seeing in the cinema, especially if you're surrounded by other people as well. I think if you're on your own, it might be a bit more difficult I, I, simply because you get that feeling that you're surrounded by other people. You, it's almost like a blanket having other people there yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, sitting in there on your own, you might feel a bit uncomfortable watching mm. it. But You can ask me the question then, Craig. Okay, David, The Children Act, is it worth it? Yes, uh, I do think this film is worth seeing um, because it, it's very powerful. Um, it's beautifully shot. It's well scripted. It's got some fantastic acting. Um, but go in prepared. If if you're a person that loves action movies, if you're a person that likes movies that are quick paced, you know, probably don't go and see this. But if you like a real heavy, gritty, well acted, well scripted drama, go and see this. I th- I think it's a it's a good film. It's a well made film, but as a film, it 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 just doesn't quite feel right. And that's simply because it's it's based on a novel, and that that comes across because the characters are that well developed in the book and in the film that you almost want a little bit more so it'll be more suited to read for for the novel or for a TV series but nonetheless I think they've done a good job here but don't go in expecting gunfire and flames because it's a it's a very slow traditional um, drama mm. I think the last film that was portrayed on the screen um, of a novel by Ian McEwan was On Chesil Beach Chesil Beach yeah. and I did really Saoirse enjoy Ronan. that yeah and that was very very good as well and it worked for the screen but mainly because of the way that they played with time mm. um, and, and the flitting backwards and forwards and they do that quite a lot with Ian McEwan books and novels you know On, on Chesil Beach Atonement um, you know there's a, there's a lot of films where time is is a big aspect, and this didn't have that in there. And I feel that because it was so linear, that's why it was more suited or felt like it should be more suited for TV. But nonetheless, definitely worth seeing in the cinema. Yes, and on that note, we would love to hear from you, particularly about this film. Uh, Ian McEwan is a, uh, a a very popular novelist. I know the, the the screening we were in was very busy. So if you're one of the people that's seen this film, if you've seen the film and read the book, please do email us, tweet us. We'd love to know what you thought. How does the film compare to the book and vice versa? Um, please do get in contact with the show. So, Craig's looking at me uh, in a strange way (laughs) (laughs) again. Uh, But that does, in fact, conclude our review of The Children Act. So, our next review is Lewis and the Aliens. And yes. There it is, folks. The Trumpet. The trumpet is out for Lewis and the aliens. There are no notes. There is no preparation. There is only condemnation for this film. (laughs) This was terrible. Um, What is the plot? Well, uh, surprisingly, uh, it's about Lewis and some aliens. Lewis is a 12 or 13 year old boy uh, in America um, whose father is a UFOlogist, um, a man crippled with an obsession so fundamentally deep that it affects his very relationship with his own child. Um, He spends the whole day sleeping on the sofa and the whole night using a variety of bootleg equipment, uh, (laughs) trying to prove that extraterrestrial life exists. Lewis uh, stands out like a sore thumb because his house is near enough falling apart. His clothes are terrible. His bike, um, you know, that he cycles to on school is rusty. 
Um, and and it's a bit of a shame, really. You know, he gets bullied at school um, to the extent, actually, that social services get involved. It's taken to the extreme. It's, this it, poor boy it's, is it's very clearly stuff. neglected, but they really... I don't know. They enter it as although it's very light-hearted. Yeah, for a kids' film, it it's really heavy stuff. You know, you've got they talk about neglect and child services getting involved, and you're thinking, well, actually, you know, is is this appropriate for kids? Hmm. Um, we're then sort of introduced to three aliens that. I mean, I say aliens, they're like blobs. Uh, they look like flubber. Um, the, but I mean, I, I'm not making this up. They land on planet Earth because they want a, what was it called? A wubby dubby? A nubby dubby. A nubby dubby, which is some sort of electronic massaging mat that they, as their alien cruise ship, I'm not making this up, <laughs> as their alien cruise ship is flying past Earth, they pick up a, a TV signal, they see an advert for a nubby dubby, so they decide to come to Earth. Lewis uh, meets these blobs. Um, and like, my word, my dad isn't a crackpot. Aliens actually exist. Um, strikes up some sort of friendship with them. I mean, they, they happen to speak English, um, which is b- bizarre for, for, for aliens that apparently have, have never been to Earth, etc., etc. And wh- why am I slamming this film? Well, the reason is, is that the, th- the viewing that we were in, my word, before the film, there was chatting, there was popcorn flying, there was excitement. You know, it was it was the last day of the summer holidays. Mum, Dad, we're going to see a film, Lewis and the Aliens. 20 minutes in, abject horror, silence. Not People... a single laughter. Kids were laughing at the trailers before for mm. the other kids' films. Like, really saying, oh, I want to go and see yeah. that. Oh, that looks great. Or, oh, that looks terrible. I'm not, not going to go and see that, Mum. But with this but, film, it was just silent. And 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 the problem with it was is firstly the animation isn't great, is it? No, um, it's I mean, not particularly brilliant. Um, the Very script wooden. is is dire. Uh, the and the jokes just aren't funny. And it's not only that they're not funny once; they're not funny twice, three times, four times, five times. There's an ice cream man that makes the same joke four, if not five times, and it and it wasn't funny the first. And by the end, it was it was annoying. It's it really is just a very bad film. I mean, I, I had criticism for um, Teen Titans Go to the Movies. This makes Teen Titans Go to the Movies look like The Godfather. Um, this was an absolutely terrible film. I, I I don't understand why it was made. I don't understand who made it. Um, well, shall I give you a little bit of a and and, and and look first. Uh, yes, please do. But I, I will say first, <laughs> I don't on. like slamming films. I don't like playing the trumpet. You know, I don't want to say films are terrible. But this was really hard work. I didn't enjoy Hotel Transylvania 3. Um, but again, this was just on a whole new level of bad. Uh, and yes, we're adults, but they, we all have an inner child. And and this didn't this didn't get my inner child and and not only did the adults obviously dislike it the kids hated it the kids I mean were saying it was boring they were disengaged yeah. there was, it was a, just a, a child real mess. sitting next to me particularly who kept saying to his mother that he really didn't like it he mm. thought he thought they were, the aliens were too naughty um, and he didn't like it and he wanted to go home it actually um, upset yeah. me Craig because there was one point where um, I looked around the, the, the cinema and there were just really disappointed kids like it was the last day of the summer holidays, or I think the first weekend since going back to school. Probably a treat from the parents, and it was just bad. It wasn't funny, and it's not that the the childish humour was childish humour. It was bad childish humour. Mm. You know, I 
a little bit of an insight into this film is that it's it's made um probably more for the german market it was made by um a german company its country of origin is german and perhaps the laughs and 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 the humor that's injected into that perhaps is more targeted at that market but saying that it it has to be quite a universal film because it's a kids film mm. and therefore it should be easily translatable um yeah. So in that sense, I'm just trying to give it a redeeming feature there, but it's, yeah. it's not. And, and it's just, it is a terrible, really bad film. There's yeah. nothing there for parents. There's nothing there really for any kids. Mm. You know, maybe there's the odd bit that kids might find funny, but to be honest with you, really, really poorly done. Unsurprisingly, it's been roasted by the critics on Rotten Tomatoes. The Rotten Tomatoes audience score is 80%, which really does surprise me. That's certainly not the impression that I got from our screening of it. If we sample our audience, then it's obviously not a good film. But if you sample a much larger audience, mm. which obviously um, sites like Rotten Tomatoes do, yeah. there's going to be a lot more people on there that are going to give more positive feedback. And there are kids that are probably going to enjoy this. And therefore, the parents will say, well, the, my grandson or my child or whoever mm. enjoyed enjoyed this film. So that could be why that's up so high. But from a critically point uh, point of view, it it, it was bad. Mm. It was really, really bad. So, David, Lewis and the Aliens, is it worth it? Absolutely not. Uh, I urge you. I, In fact, I demand you not to see this film. Um, I, I really actually felt upset when I left, left this film because I, I felt like there was a number of families that had... Uh, taken their kids to the cinema and everyone just left disappointed that was the impression that i got um if you have seen this film and you enjoyed it then i'm really pleased you enjoyed it we, we want people to go to the cinema and have fun but for me if you want to take your kids to see uh, a children's film lewis and the aliens isn't the one it really is terrible mm, we we did get um an email or a, i got a message from um Dylan's Guardian, Dylan, who won the tickets, and they, oh, yes, they yeah. went to go and see this film. And uh, she said that that Dylan uh, enjoyed the film nonetheless, but she wasn't particularly impressed with um, the the child, um, you know, the the way that he was abandoned pretty much and and, and left to be his own devices and thought that it was very uh, took it a bit too far. Yeah, no, um, I, I and, totally and agree I with agree, that. Yeah, I completely it agree. It was, as well. yeah, it, it wasn't just. Oh, this is a, a a quirky, unique father who who believes aliens are real. It was basically this is a man who neglects his child, mm. and it 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 just didn't feel right to me. Um, I really didn't enjoy it, um, and I don't recommend going to see it in the cinema. But if you have seen it and you did like it, please get in contact with us. We'll read out the email on the show um, because, as always, we love to hear your views, even on films that we ourselves don't recommend. Yeah, and if you do get in touch with us, you could be winning yourself two tickets to go to see any film in any cine world in the UK, uh, which can be used within the next six months of receipt of getting those tickets. And you can see things in IMAX as well. I was literally about to say that, <laughs> including <laughs> IMAX. Yeah, so that concludes our pretty damning review of Lewis and the Aliens. So we are on to the last film of week 19. Uh, this is one that I've seen and it's called Action Point. So 
What is this film about? Well, Johnny Knoxville returns to the big screen in a story about Action Point Theme Park. It's owned by a chronic alcoholic, uh, alcoholic called DC, who's played by Knoxville. And he's a little less preoccupied with safety and a little bit more <laughs> occupied with um, drinking beer. Oh, dear. Yeah. And the safety of the park is very much so neglected. Um, I, I, I haven't seen this film. I, I don't know what this film's about, but I can already in my head see where this is going. Well, there's a flashy rival theme park opens up nearby and it's up to DC to try and win back those new clients and those new customers and those old customers and whatnot um, to the park. Otherwise, the debts that he owes and the lawsuits that in, in, entail um, will close his, mm. his theme park. Um, so this film um, isn't very good. I'll yeah. go straight into that. It's it's pretty poor. I mean, it's typical jackass stunts from Knoxville. Mm. Um, throughout the entire film, there's lots of um, tripping overs, falling downs, jumping out of trees, hurting themselves. And quite clearly, these stunts are obviously real because that's yeah. what Knoxville does. Um, and there's also uh, an element where um, Knoxville was dressed up as an old man, the old DC, and he's regaling the tale of this theme park to his granddaughter. Um, and incidentally, that just obviously a heart back to... to Bad grandpa. Bad grandpa, where instantly they had, I think they won an award for like hair and makeup in that one. But um, other than that, there was no purpose to having that in there. I, mm. I, it was just obviously a way of trying to build a story and an emotional connection to these characters, which is typical for these sort of Knoxville kind of films, I, I believe. Um, but it, yeah, didn't really work because most of the time the characters are just having lots of fun and i say the characters it's more the actors and actresses having lots of fun um punching johnny knoxville um oh christ you're right <laughs> you've killed me off <laughs> oh, um, so yeah it's a it's a reasonably weak storyline um <laughs> Are you, are you sure you're right? It's just you sat there, little elbow on your knee, just roasting this film. Yeah. Basically, they just punched Johnny Knoxville. But yeah, <laughs> they try and add the depth, they try and add emotional connection, mm. and it just fails. And and to be honest with you, I was really, really disappointed with, with the film. There's barely any laughs throughout the film. And why? Because, well, we've seen all of this before. It's just happened so many times that I, have ju I just... How many Jackass um, films were there? There's, uh, there's multiple. I think three plus Bad Grandpa as well yeah. which is obviously kind of like jackass but obviously not as well it was very a little bit more on, story driven but yeah on 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 the theme of jackass the reason jackass was successful is because it was pretty youtube days mm. um and people would go to the cinema and 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 enjoy human beings fundamentally near enough killing themselves for our entertainment now YouTube, it's so accessible that I imagine Knoxville's realised that, unfortunately, his his ship has sailed. And from what you said, he seems to then try and build this emotional connection, which is actually probably not what um, Jackass fans want. So then they're left without the, the, the real craziness of Jackass. They haven't then got an, a real emotional development. So mm -hmm. you're left with this sort of wishy-washy thing in the middle. And it sounds like a bit of a, a bit of a mess, really. Yeah. I mean... I did do a little bit of research to find that the film is actually based on like this 13, 14 minute documentary about a the real theme park of which the film is based on, which is mm. which is called Action Park. And this was a real film theme, uh, theme park in New Jersey where lots of kids went to and had multiple accidents. Oh, um, yeah. I think there was 
fatalities as well. Um, and yeah, it obviously wasn't a, a good theme park. I mean, it probably was on par with Aqua Splash and <laughs> um, other places um, that some of you may know. For all our Hemel Hempstead listeners, there used to be a water park. Uh, for people in Hemel Hempstead, you'll, you'll know Aquasplash, but for those who aren't in Hemel Hempstead, uh, a water theme park called Aquasplash. And it was the most dangerous place on planet Earth. There was, what was that one slide called? Was it called The Bowl? Yes. Something and, like that. And and I kid you not, you went down a tube, a dark tube that never seemed to end. So as far as I was concerned when I was seven, I was actually going in a tube to hell. Um, and then you would be, be put into this bowl that you would spin round and you'd probably be, get up, you know, a good 40, 50 miles an hour. Round <laughs> and round and round to the point where you felt like you were going to be sick. And then you would drop into a pool of about three metres worth of water. And then vomit. And, and, and honestly, a majority of people who went on this nearly drowned. Lifeguards constantly in and out. Oh, Aqua Splash, what a mm. place. Well, but Sorry for the rant. That but... is fine. But the documentary anyway, <laughs> I actually ended up watching and found that far more entertaining mm. than the actual film. Um, of which it's based on. So if you do want to watch this documentary, just do a little search on the, on Google. I'm sure you will find it. Um, if not, the link I'm going to put in the description of this podcast so you can actually watch it. And um, instead of going to the cinema and seeing this film, because I think you'll find 13 minutes of your time not wasted by watching uh, the documentary, but an hour and a half, if not more, wasted by going to see Action Point. So if you ask me the question... Craig... You can't remember the name Aqua of the splash. Film. Is it worth no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Action point. Is it worth it? Yes. No. No. <laughs> no. Action point is definitely not worth going to see in the cinema. It's poor. We've seen it all before. Mm. You don't need to watch this film. Thank you very much. Uh, I enjoyed that review. Thanks. DVD. DVD. Is it worth it? DVDs. So on this week's DVD releases, um, there are no DVDs that we recommend. So, David, you're going to pick one film that you think is worth seeing that's either on streaming services or a DVD that people can buy, and I'll do the same. What have you got off the top of your head that you want to recommend? Oh, my word, you've put me on the spot there. I really have, haven't I? Um, okay, uh, streaming services. If you haven't seen this film, uh, it's currently on Netflix. Uh, it stars John Cleese, uh, A Fish Called Wanda. It's a brilliant film, fantastically funny, um, well worth a watch. Okay, and I'm going to recommend The Big Sick, which is on Amazon Prime streaming services. And it, uh, it won the uh, best screenplay at the Oscars last year. Um, and it's definitely worth checking out. It's a romantic comedy, but with a really good drama element built into it. And it's based on a real story as well. Um, well worth seeing. Cheers for that, putting me on the spot. That's <laughs> all right. But it does... <laughs> Give us an excuse to play that very catchy theme tune. Let's play it again. DVD, DVD. Is it worth it? DVDs. We are at the end of week 19 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Uh, we'd just like to take a moment to read some tweets out. Um, so we have uh, Johnny on Twitter. He says he's looking forward to tonight's King of Thieves preview. Well, obviously that wasn't tonight, 
But nonetheless, we went to that preview screening and uh, we'll give you our review next week. So, Johnny, I hope you enjoyed it. Or if not, let us know. Mm, please um, do, yeah. The Gaming Bear got in touch with us again. The good old Gaming Bear. I yeah, like the he gaming said bear. thanks for the shout out at the end of last week's podcast. Uh, keep up the good work. Also, thanks for giving Cineworld a nudge with regards to Black Klansman at our local cinema. They are now showing it this week. So that just shows that we've got some clout <laughs> with Cineworld. That means we can tell them to... Craig is thrusting his uh, fist. Thrusting my fist. I, I don't think we've got any clout, really, but um, yeah, I think maybe they'll just schedule Thanks, thanks to the problems, gaming bear. Uh, um, Marcus, uh, he was listening to the podcast whilst doing his ironing and sent us a nice little screenshot of, uh, I enjoyed that. of that. So thanks, Marcus. Uh, James, uh, James, who is now going to be working with us doing our social media, he's let yes. us, he, he was saying that he uh, saw King of Thieves as well. Um who else have we got on here? Uh, I know my brother uh, gave us a tweet um, where he said that he really enjoyed Hereditary. Uh, he didn't like the ending of it. It actually made him laugh out loud, and we totally agreed. The The ending of Hereditary was really disappointing because 90% of that film was absolutely fantastic. Mm. Um We've got another tweet from, another from Bri- tweet. Yeah, Brian. It's a DJ Carlin over here. Another yeah, one. Another one. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> oh, not another one. Wasn't one enough, DJ Carlin? We the best music. Well, that's debatable. Anyway, back to the tweets. Well, Brian, he replied to one of our tweets that we put out about uh, horror films. What horror films had you enjoyed? Mm. Uh, and we, we, you and I have both said that we liked A Quiet Place and Hereditary. I preferred Quiet Place. You preferred Hereditary. Um and Brian says that A Quiet Place was just an alien in the woods. Hereditary was pretty good. It's basically Rosemary's Baby meets The Omen. But Tony Collette was great and the ending was hilarious. The Nun looks like garbage. Yeah, well, mm. yeah. Uh, I think it was a bit more than just an alien in the woods. But I'd like that tweet. It made me laugh. So I always appreciate tweets with a good bit of humour in them. Yeah. And then the only last tweet that we've got is from you. So we won't read that is one it? out. Yeah, you just just tagged us in the post about that you're excited for the first man which is obvious because you've mentioned it about 15 times on this week's show um, for no reason absolutely no reason I keep talking about first man absolutely so um, Brian um, if you are UK bound we will give you some tickets to the cine, local cine world if not um, we'll see if we can give you something in return I think you actually live in the US so it might not be possible ah um, what a but shame. it's definitely the gaming bear. I do believe that you are a Cineworld goer and live in the UK, so we will be able to give you some tickets. Is the gaming bear an unlimited card holder? I don't know. Gaming bear, are you an unlimited card holder? And I, 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 I follow him on Twitter. I, very interesting account. Does various reviews. But if if you, the gaming bear, are not unlimited, we shall send you some tickets. If you are unlimited, we'll send you them anyway, and you can give them to one of your bear friends. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, that is the end of this week's show. Uh, Craig, before we finish, uh, let our lovely listeners know what we have coming up on next week's show. We are thoroughly prepared already. Yeah, well, Craig's so prepared, I'm not. But Next week, we're going to be bringing you uh, American Animals, uh, The Predator, The Miseducation of Cameron Post, Puzzle, The Seagull, Mile 22, which is going to be an unlimited screening uh Crazy Rich Asians and King of Thieves. So it's a pretty mm. packed out show next week. Um, some of those films were unlimited screening. So Mile 22, unlimited screening. King of Thieves, unlimited screening. Crazy Rich Asians unlimited is an unlim- unlimited screening. There has been so many unlimited screenings from mm. Cineworld this month. Five in total. Uh, the next one is obviously Mile 22. And then after that, there is the big one. A Star is Born. Indeed. Um, I'm um, thoroughly looking forward to seeing yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, so am I. I... 
I saw the trailer for A Star Is Born and I was so impressed. Uh, I, I think Bradley Cooper's a phenomenal actor, but just even from the trailer, it, it looks superb. And again, I mean, I know we keep plugging the Unlimited card, but the amount of films at the moment that are coming out early, I mean, we saw Searching five weeks before it premiered in the UK. Um, we're seeing, you know, potential Oscar-winning films early um, for great great value, the uh, Cineworld Unlimited card. And don't forget that you can get £10 off your first month of unlimited membership by using the code Is It Worth It? All one word. Do it in uh, capitals just to make sure you get it right. Um, but yeah, £10 off, which is great. So that makes it like £7, seven ninety nine um, for your first month. And you can see unlimited films. Obviously, it doesn't include IMAX, but you I mean... Every film is shown in, in standard 2D, so you will be to see every but single film. If if you want to see films in IMAX, and occasionally we do, you can upgrade, and instead of paying £14, you simply just pay the upgrade price of four quid, yeah. which £4 for IMAX is very much worth it, if you ask me. So that brings us to the end of week 19. Hopefully next week, both of us will be well. Craig was ill last week. I'm ill this week. But alas, we have powered on and we really hope you enjoyed the show we've we've had a good laugh uh, recording it this evening so thanks very much for listening and have a very wonderful week goodbye <laughs> oh what a shame My name is Robert McIntosh, and I encourage you to join me in 18 two-hour episodes where I explore the life of the rhinoceros, both social and private. I have recently obtained an unlimited Zoological Society of London card. I will be observing this animal and letting you know whether it is worth seeing in your local zoo. <laughs> That's probably